If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. Hi, Marlena. Hi, Courtney. <laughs> Hi, guys. How are y'all? Good. Good. I'm sweating because my air conditioning's out. Oh, yeah. Shut all the way out. Well, one of them's out. The main one oh, is no. out. And the other one, actually, we've got a bucket under catching the water <gasps> so we can still run it. Wait, both of them are doing it now? Mm. What the heck? i don't know so calling tomorrow to deal with the stress of having to have somebody that i am already weary of come into my house and enforce mask wearing and i just i don't want to be around people that i don't know and trust i know and And knowing that they have to go into other people's houses Mm -hmm. that's how i was when my plumbing was out Mm-hmm. Yeah, and knowing that nobody's providing masks for them, nor do they want to wear a mask, so it's stressful. I'm, I'm just like I was telling I was telling Marlea this earlier. Yeah, because uh, this, this happened like a couple week. days ago. Like, yeah, it was like Tuesday, Thursday. It happened like Thursday, and um, and I was telling her, I was like, I just can't. I'm just gonna put a bucket, and I'm just I just turned that one off and forgot about it, <laughs> and then. Like after I talked to you, because I was trying to forget about it, but of course I couldn't. So I went back down there to just, just to check because I knew that it was off, but there had been like a pull of water down there. And I wanted to see like how much, cause it's on concrete, see how much mm-hmm. I needed to go like mop up and then I opened it up and there was like a fresh, huge puddle of water and it was the other air condition. And I was just like, oh, yeah god so i put a bucket under it and then i was like okay this should be okay for like i'll check it like tonight and chad came in he's like yeah like three hours later he's like yeah there's a bucket that's overflowing in the basement and i'm just like (laughs) i love that it's just report this to patrice it's not solve the problem (laughs) (laughs) now yes (laughs) Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's been so humid too. Last night yeah, shooting fireworks yeah. in the yard. Oh yeah. Well of course this happened it, it, right right when like it starts being ninety degrees yeah. and ten o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like everything else, you know, it could have happened like a month earlier and it wouldn't have been as bad, but now it's like hot as shit and humid and all the yucky things and yeah. It's okay. I'm okay. Fine. everything's fine that's my shirt today. everything's fine I'm my... everything's fine you have on it's, it's fine. fine i'm fine. fine everything's fine everything's fine cheers yeah. we have cheers. a cheers Woo-hoo. cheers what's our Delicious. drink courtney courtney tried blueberry. to burn down her yard last night too she'll tell you that in a minute oh, oh yeah blueberry mint smash so everyone has fresh blueberries right now around here anyway marlea i don't remember the farm name where you go pick jerry's berries Ooh. in jerry's Pleasant valley alabama I'm um, not a big blueberry fan, personally. Never really have been. But uh, I thought all the blueberries around will try this. It's not very sweet. Well, I may, for the next batch, add some simple syrup or something. It has honey, mint from my mint garden, and lime and blueberries smashed together with vodka and a little bit of soda. And that's it. That? What is Y'all it? Y'all see that? What'd you do? My Marash or something? Are you, are you allergic, allergic to, to blueberries? No. Okay. Are you allergic to vodka? No. Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> Patrice is like, can this year get any worse? No, not vodka. Not vodka. Does it itch? No. Okay? I was just like, oh my! Oh, you can I wonder if it's it just a little from red. the heat. It, you know what? That's it's a probably a heat rash. Because I know right. I do that. I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't take much mm-hmm. for my neck. And yeah, I see it on your hot. cheek. You know, you have the rosy cheeks too. Yeah, I'm all dewy. 
<laughs> yes, that's what we Southern that's ladies are. Ridiculous. We're not like Listen. just all out sweating in the yard like Marlea's daughter told me last night. Wow, you're covered in sweat. And I was like, You're yeah, so fine. sweaty. You're so Is that Coco? No, it was Abby. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so my godson and my friend came over. He has been nowhere. He um is uh has uh, asthma long history with immune issues so i'm the only house he's been to besides his parents so we we went out we did outside he's 13 now and he i thought he might like shooting fireworks so i bought some and i've never been the only adult in charge his mom does not deal with them she stayed on the deck while we set up out way away from her and we did a great we did great i got some flat surface i got things to secure so that you know they don't fall over and i thought of all these things the flashlight and a table to the side to keep them away from the air did all that then marlea's crew comes over from there uh, they had been shooting fireworks and uh, randy brought some that they hadn't fired yet set them on the table and i was letting the kids have sparklers and all this time i've been so careful and i let a light my godson's uh sparkler right over an open box that randy has just brought we didn't think anything about it and i'm talking and talking all of a sudden i see them all on fire on the table and i was like run everybody run that was probably the best time that they've ever had That's what I, said. <laughs> I, I said oh my god run everybody run and at the same time randy was over to my left about to light some and i was like stop stop everybody was fine the only thing that was damaged it did the whole box caught on fire fell in the yard which it had rained so much you know yeah. it was a good thing about last night it had rained so much everything was drenched but we had to get the water hose out put the box out and my tailgate table is burned but if that's all that happened we'll be all right dang that was a fire <laughs> it bubbled up it's black and wow. yeah oh my god <laughs> they're gonna go remember that time when we were like 13 mm -hmm. and we were at courtney's <laughs> yeah. and she coughed the t i mean it's, it's gonna be legend <laughs> like you for know years what, though? to come you know what though they my kids have like the explosion of fourth of july story to beat all stories already mm -hmm. because like in 2017 we were doing we were doing fireworks with randy's family and they set up like 20 mortars in the road in front of my brother-in-law's house to light off and one of them turned over and they were going to just do them one by one they just had them set one of them turned over and shot the others and there was an explosion of it mortars like it looked like yes it looked like an actual bomb had gone off so we have a video of this and it's like this crappy grainy cell phone video which makes it even better with like these bright sparks just flying out of the street and you see the silhouettes of three men running and then you see the silhouette of my other brother-in-law standing in the light checking his phone as he slowly walks away <laughs> <laughs> but it does it looks like it came straight out of die hard or some shit. Uh, yeah uh, the girls went that was that was his most exciting time though he was pretty he was pretty sh shaken for a few seconds but everybody oh, was fine he was laughing his good. head off though he was yeah then he started laughing but for at first he was just like because he felt bad because he's the one mm -hmm. i was like i'm the adult in charge here it's my fault for lighting your sparkler over an open box of fireworks by this time though we had lit all of them my back was hurting from leaning and running and leaning and running i'm drenched mm -hmm. as abby pointed out dehydrated i'd only had one drink because i was trying to be very responsible fireworks <laughs> <laughs> usage adult supervision <sighs> person and i was till then yes. so <laughs> well my yeah i well i always like when i shot fireworks i mean we had bottle rocket wars and yeah. candle roman candle wars and stuff um but we never really well first of all we couldn't afford like the bigger fireworks or the yeah. more powerful fireworks so we always played with fairly tame fireworks that's when i was talking with you and jeff and facebook and i was saying yeah i had a firework go off in my hand before mm -hmm. but it was just it was one of those lady fingers it scared me to death because i didn't throw it in time it just exploded and took your lady my, fingers it, it, my hand went numb but that's you know it was a fairly low powered firework so i've always played with like the lower powered fireworks however my brother buys the big stuff and last year 
they lit it off in the neighborhood and we were, we were the assholes in the neighborhood. We truly <laughs> were. And, and I didn't realize how, like how powerful it would be. Otherwise I would have been like, dude, this is not cool. But it set off car alarms. Oh, it's oh like my God. The aftershock of this thing <laughs> was so big and it scared everybody it scared us it scared him i saw him jump <laughs> nobody knew like this was gonna explode like that and we just had like uh, like car alarms all down the street go off and so we were those people and so i was just standing up there in the middle of the road when people were coming up to turn their cars off going sorry <laughs> we suck sorry <laughs> i'm sorry we didn't know that was gonna happen I'm sorry <laughs> So that sorry. sounds like box fan chad's story he wouldn't come over i invited him and he said no because he was done with fireworks because of a similar incident and his when he was in his 20s and a bunch of people at his house in the avenues told him not to shoot fireworks and they kept doing it and shot a mortar off that fell over and went across the street into the <laughs> neighbor's carport where their car was and exploded mm. under it with the car inside <laughs> damn yeah yeah I'm used to shooting out in the country where the only thing we're really like worried right. about is like catching the grass on fire, exactly, which happens, but we've always had like hoses and yeah. buckets of water and stuff to control that. Oh. So yeah, we didn't do anything uh, as far as fireworks. Cause first of all, we didn't have any second of all, I mean, we don't have anywhere to go to that. I would feel comfortable shooting them off. Yeah. You're kind of surrounded by trees. Mm, I mean, trees. there's no place mm -hmm. where you could, probably safely yeah. do it besides your street you know like yeah. right in the middle of the road <laughs> right in the middle of the road you're right all right so one thing i kind of got my shit together kind of mm -hmm. like not very but more so than usual and i wanted to give a shout out to it we always like shout out to our patreons yes! and, you know people and now i'm actually legitimately gonna do it because i want to read everybody's name <laughs> in order from when you started supporting us. So our patrons are Jenna. Jenna Shout was our Jenna. first love. She Jenna. was our first love. Jennifer from JSU. Yes. Uh, Corey, who is a former student of mine and Chad's. It's awesome. Heather from Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Oxfan Chad. Oxfan Paige. The other Patrice. Teresa. Our very own Randy. Randy. Uh, FKA, otherwise known as fucking Kellyanne. Fucking Kellyanne. <laughs> <laughs> <FKA>. Katrina. <laughs> Katrina, Philip, Noel, Amy, my brother Drayton, Levi, Cassandra, Katrina, Meg, and Andrew. Hey, this is Patrice cutting in real quick. Marcy and Mariah, totally on our list too. I just missed you. Sorry, but shout out to you ladies thanks y'all thank you thank you guys thank you for staying on even the pandemic appreciate y'all so much and if you want to be a patron as well you can go on our website there's a link that goes to our patreon page it has uh extra after tosh after talk shows <laughs> after toe shocks after toe <laughs> after two shocks that's what we do personally come to your house shock your toes <laughs> and it's just three dollars a month so you know very low overhead mm -hmm. but again you know we appreciate you just listening too yay thank yes, you guys thank you thank you and yes. we do hope to you know eventually when the world isn't burning anymore do do some live shows and stuff like that that we I know we need to do that we need to do that before school starts up lord before yeah. school starts up this fall a live yeah. show yeah you mean like a online live show live online show? yes yes, online they live shows. yes they want people want it i've seen some more posts yeah. about it they really want to do this zoom with us we which i think would be fun well, now that I think that'd be fun too. Yeah. And we found a better way to do our recordings. And so mm -hmm. I think it'll be easier too for everybody. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't have, um, I don't have really any updates I found. I mean, there are a couple other places that I found for those of you who have been listening for a while and know that we've been kind of throwing out some places you could donate to social justice causes, stuff like that. 
we I did find a place called Appleseed Alabama that came across my radar recently that's a good organization and there's also Southern Crossroads those are two southern specific initiatives that kind of move in social justice areas uh so yeah that just stuff I'm looking cool. at if you want to look at it yeah absolutely that's my uh, stuff so if you if you are active on Facebook and you know us like through our Strange South page, you may not know that we have a secret group that is the Strange South Fan Club. The secret and special group. Secret Ooh. special group. And we we do vet that pretty hard. Like not just anybody can get in. It's pretty active and I love the stuff that's constantly being posted there. It's just fun. Uh, it's like, it, lots it's, of fun yeah, stuff. it's fun. It's so much fun. And one of the things somebody posted was horror story in six words. Oh yeah. So oh God. I copy and pasted everybody's uh, horror story that responded and I wanted to read them. Yes. Cause I thought they were pretty awesome. So Kelly said, Ice Maker groans its final cube, <laughs> which I totally relate to since I have like one of those small ice makers that runs out of water a lot. <laughs> Jana said, Box fan broke in the night. Oh no. <laughs> Again, a horror story. Definitely can relate to. Especially right now. Yeah. No air. Especially right now. Oh yeah, man. I am like basically laying under my box fan every single <laughs> night so that thing just blasted in my face uh anita said the baby took off her diaper <laughs> <laughs> christina said oh this one's a uh, black man killed by white cop mm -hmm. oh that is so relevant and that's that's yeah that's so hard mm -hmm. kathy said hmm what does this button do <laughs> 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 and Brooke said, I was just trying to help. And she was saying like her husband says that. So <laughs> I was just trying to help. <laughs> oh, and then there's one more. Christina did another one. She says, what's that noise? I'm going in. <laughs> Classic horror movie. <laughs> I liked the one that somebody, because I follow the ostrich. He's the comedian, a local Alabama comedian, and does the uh, those videos, Southerner videos, you know, what a oh, Southerner yeah. says. And he his was someone watched Grandma's Cast Iron Skillet. <laughs> yeah, I saw that yes. one. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, that's the one that kind of kicked it off. So. Somebody did that to mine one time after a party, and it was a, hor it was a horror story. I was like, what are you doing? Stop! <laughs> he was like what i was like you grew up in this state nobody told you not to do that or mm -hmm. <laughs> dawn all in it i was like no 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 <laughs> but the good thing about that is that they can recover yes so. they can it's fine it's fine. it made it <laughs> yeah because i have like rusted some cast iron skillets mm -hmm. before and recovered them so that's the beautiful thing about cast iron mm. and it's tasty nom iron um cool well right. we ready you want to start oh, we are ready this is episode 67 damn yeah i know we've been we're still rocking it i'm glad you brought up the facebook group because i keep forgetting i've been posting pictures every week on instagram but i'm gonna do better and post on facebook which i just did for our fan okay. group hey we also have an instagram ah. yes. yeah we're everywhere <laughs> you can never get away <laughs> 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 I'm first this week, right? Yeah. Okay. Does anybody need to pee before we start? Ladies, everybody good? We good? Mm -hmm. I'm good. Okay. Is this going to be a I'm long good. one? Like, no, it's actually oh, a very okay. short one. I was like, so if, we, are we, okay. if we're in for another hour, maybe, but 30 minutes. Oh, no, no, this is not <laughs> okay. an hour long story. This was, I've been doing some heavy shit and, and uh, this is just one that's kind of been sitting there and we've talked about for a while and uh, I've just never done it. And so I'm going to go ahead and do it do it so <clears throat> this is 1954 um on november 30th three different southern states georgia alabama mississippi all reported seeing something in the sky Ooh. it was described as a bright reddish light by some like a roman candle trailing smoke was one of the quotes 
um, a fireball like a gigantic welding arc was one of the things that somebody said. And this fireball, like I said, is visible in three states and it's accompanied by this massive boom, like a, a house shaking kind of boom. A guy in Birmingham reported seeing a mushroom cloud and um, in Sylacauga, Alabama this night, this afternoon, actually, it wasn't even in the evening. It was like 2.45 in the afternoon. There's um, in her house on Odin's Mill Road across from the Comet Drive-In Theater, 31-year-old Ann Hodges is laying under a quilt on her couch taking an afternoon nap. And suddenly there is it's just this immense crash. There's a stab of pain. There's this huge loud boom. And the room is full of smoke and it's full of dust. She screams. She has no idea what's happened. Her mother runs into the room and because her mother's staying at the house with them. And then as the dust settles, they see this huge bruise forming on Anne's hip and some bruises on her on her left hand. There's a three foot wide hole in the roof and near the couch, they find a black rock the size of a softball. So mm -hmm. what they don't know is that Anne just made history as the only human being known to have suffered an injury after being struck by a meteorite. Yes. Mm -hmm. And this is something that we've talked about talking about, but we've never actually mm -hmm. talked about, right? No. Right. If we have, you're going to have to listen again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so um, the fireball that people saw was a four and a half billion year old meteor that Damn. broke up in the atmosphere and the fragments were falling at 125 miles an hour. Damn. And one of those fragments splits in half and an eight and a half pound chunk shot through the roof of Ann Hodge's house. God. So it ricocheted off of her. She had, you know, it's the 1950s. So she had this massive radio console like the kind that stands on the ground and is made of wood and it's like the mm -hmm. radio is like its own big piece of furniture. So it right. ricochets off the radio console and hits her in the hip. And um, so it wasn't a direct hit. It was not a direct hit. It was a bounce. If not, um, it probably would have gone through her, huh? Yeah. That's what that's, they, what, I was, that's they, what I was confused about the bruising. I was yeah. like, like surely yeah. it would have hurt her worse, right? Yeah, that's right. that's but what I thought. But it had to go through the, the ceiling. Stopped. Yeah, yeah, it had to go through the roof and the ceiling, and then it hit the radio, and then it hit her because people mm -hmm. have said that it probably would have broken her back or it would have broken her leg if right. she had been hit, like if she had been where the radio was. Right. So, but at the time, you know, the dust hasn't settled yet. They don't know what this thing was oh yeah that's that would freak <laughs> anybody it's terrifying out. right so yes they just know that there's this bruise blackening on her left side and something fell into the house so they call the police and the fire department this bruise is getting like i and I'll, I'll have pictures on the show notes um i've got a lot of pictures for this one but the bruise is like it's big i mean it's i've seen it up her yeah. whole like left hip it's it's like like a football and a half worth of bruise it's pretty huge and it is black i mean it's rough so the police show up with a local doctor named moody jacobs um it turns out that there's also just happens to be a government geologist working in a nearby quarry who's doing a water survey his name is george swindle and so once the police get here and they see this rock they call this guy from the um the the geologist guy so Swindle examines the rock and says, well, yeah, this is a meteorite, but who wants to listen to experts, right? So exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, through lies. It's not a 2020 thing. thing. It Don't is get me started. <laughs> so locals are running around saying that a Soviet plane has crashed into the Hodges Of house. course. It's exactly, that's the same story we would hear today. Oh, it is. Welcome I mean, to the South. And it's the yeah. 50s. We'd probably be a Chinese oh, plane be a today, Antifa. I think. Or yeah, Antifa. Right. Antifa <laughs> um, so yeah, this is the 50s. So it's a Soviet plane in everybody's head. And then to make matters worse, the air force arrives and Ooh. i never got i never got clear on how this happened i believe that the police officer who was there examining it and he heard from the guy that it was a meteorite and i think he called the air force because um you know there's um maxwell air base is in montgomery it's not i mean by helicopter mm -hmm. which is the way they arrived in in silicaga they just like the air force took a helicopter and landed in silicaga 
and said like, hey, we need to to look at this thing. So now the rumors go absolutely insane. Oh my God. It's a UFO. Yes. Can a, you believe it? The like the men in black are coming oh, I know. with the helicopters, right? So, uh, so, you know, it's going just freaking nuts. And the, the Air Force just takes the rock and whisks it away to Maxwell to be analyzed. Um, <clears throat> and Dr. Jacobs Ooh. is here with Ann Hodges and he decides, you know, I think you need to go to the hospital and it's not like the bruise is severe, but you know, he knows she hasn't broken anything. She doesn't have like organ bleeding, you know, she doesn't have deep <clears throat> internal bleeding, but she's really, really upset. And I, it is the fifties. She's probably quote unquote hysterical, but, um, right. you know, she was overwhelmed because not only are all these people like now she's got the police, the doctor, the fire department and the air force landing on her lawn and all the people from town, including journalists and photographers all crowding into her house and on well, her lawn to her see heart. this thing. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, Oh my God. And so mm -hmm. Dr. Jacobs is like, you know what? I need to, I need to probably get you into the hospital just to give you, you know, breathing a little, room a little space mm -hmm. and you know she did say in one of the articles i read that she didn't sleep for a long time after that because oh my god i she, guess not exactly she's like she never knows what's going to fall out of the, fall damn out sky. Of the sky mm -hmm. so there's this crowd of people in and around the house the air force just flew off with this supposed meteorite Anne's getting ready to go to the hospital and that's when Anne's husband eugene comes home from work he has missed everything all this happened while he was at work. All of it happened without his say-so. And, uh. and he never even got to see the rock that hit his wife. Mm -hmm. And he is pissed as hell. So he tells the Enterprise Chronicle, quote, I'm going to demand that the Air Force return the stone to me. They had no business taking it away in the first place. Turns out Eugene has been approached almost immediately by an Indiana Ooh. businessman who wants to buy the meteorite for $5,000. And he doesn't want to lose this opportunity to get that money, which, you know, I wouldn't either. Um, but the Air Force has it and he doesn't know how to get it back. So they go through their tests, and I'm not clear on how long they had it, but they go through their tests. They confirm, yes, it is a meteorite. They say what it's made of. I did look that up, but I don't remember what it said. So you look it up yourself if you want to know. But um, <laughs> they're like, um, okay, so now we got this. We know what it is. So what do we do with it? And Anne is quoting in the papers as saying, like, I feel like this is mine. I think God intended it for me. It hit me after all. Wow. And... Um, and so, so the problem is the Hodges house is a rental house and um, oh. the landlady, Miss mm -hmm. Birdie Guy, wants to lay claim to this meteorite. And she mm -hmm. says, well, I've got to pay for the roof somehow. You know, I, I need mm -hmm. I need help paying for the roof. And since the thing landed on her property, she thinks that it should have it should be hers. You know, she should have ownership of it. Should not have renter insurance. I, I mean, I, in 1954, Silicon Alabama. <laughs> I <don't think> we <laughs> did. <laughs> so they, of course, go to court over who is going to get this meteorite that the Air Force has to send back to somebody. And. The they, she should have sold sorry she should have sold tickets like I, oh, it yeah. should have been like a here's the hole mm -hmm. and had like her little thing over the hole so the rain don't get in and it's like you know a dollar a pop so many opportunities so <laughs> many, many opportunities missed opportunities to be missed yeah. yes so you know they they stay litigating this case for a year and in the end the what it comes down to is the hodges get to keep the meteorite but they have to pay birdie guy $500 to keep it. So she can fix the roof. She can do her thing. And then they get to keep the meteorite. That sounds fair. Um, but by this time, all the public interest in this story has just gone completely away and nobody wants to buy the thing. And one reason for this is that we never said what happened to the other half of this meteorite fragment. Okay. So on December 1st, 1954, the day after all this went down, um, a black farmer named Julius Kempis McKinney is driving his mules with a load of firewood a couple of miles away from here. And when his mules just, they draw up and balk at something in the road. So he gets out of the wagon, he goes down, he sees this weird big black rock sitting in the road and he's like, what the hell, fucking donkeys, and tosses the rock to the side and goes home. <laughs> 
And then later that evening, he starts to hear people talking about this black rock that hit Ann Hodges in her house and that there was all this hubbub and here's the Air Force and here's the, you know, is it a meteor? Is it a UFO? And he's like, you know what? I think I'm going to go back out there and check out that rock that I threw. So he Mm -hmm. goes back, he collects up the rock that he found in the road and he brings it home and he just leaves it in his living room. His kids like play with it on the floor for a couple days. And then um, the only person that he really says anything to about it is his mailman because his mailman is like a friend. He trusts him. He doesn't think he's going to try and, you know, take it from him or anything like that, which I'm sure he would have been concerned about with anybody else. And um, so the mailman gets Julius in touch with a lawyer who negotiates the sale of his rock to the Smithsonian Institution. Smart man. And Mm -hmm. it's never been disclosed how much the family got for this rock was only like just under four pounds and like the Hodges meteorite was eight and a half pounds. But rumors were that his family was able to buy a new house and a new car shortly after they sold it. So, and here's a side note. Here's a fun little side note. A 10 gram portion of Julius McKinney's rock was sold in 2017 at Christie's auction house for $7,500. Wow. And that makes its selling price 18.5 times its weight in gold. So he likely made pretty good bank on that four pound Yes, absolutely. Um, I thought you were fisting to do the math for me. I can't can't do that. I don't know know how much grams are. I just know they sound small. (laughs) 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 So... So, you know, all this happens a little bit later, but at this time, so they've, the Hodges have just found out that they get this rock back and it's, it's 1956. The folks that are willing to pay big have already paid Julius McKinney and gotten what they wanted. So -hmm. there's nobody left to buy this meteorite that the Hodges just paid $500 to keep. And it ends up being used as a doorstop in their house. Oh, until Anne gets so sick of it that she finally just gives it to the Alabama Museum of Natural Natural History. And all she asks is, like, can you just cover my legal fees from all this shit? The sad thing about the story is kind of Anne, who in the very first article that I saw on this was described as plump and cheerful. Um, she really didn't do well with Ooh. this whole thing. So she had like 15 minutes of fame. She was in photo shoots. She was on, she was in Life magazine. Um, she did newspaper interviews. She was invited to New York to be part of a game show. She got fan mail from like teachers and kids and just all kinds of people. But she, this isn't the way that she had intended to live her life. She's a very quiet person. And um, she didn't cope well with all this attention. And on top of that, she and her husband ended up having a lot of problems after probably it sounds like he was just never over being bitter about losing that money and Mm -hmm. i you know i i could i could tell a story in our heads about like the -hmm. husband saying why did you make these decisions without me Mm -hmm. until i got here but i don't know that that's true i'm just making an assumption um but i'm assuming with you yeah (laughs) but um they did eventually divorce in 1964 and i say Anne, you know what good for you better life for you but um, she unfortunately she she died at age 52 in 1972 and um you know so she Mm. it's just a sad life for Anne, and that makes me sad but um the house is not there anymore the comet drive-in i think got raised to that it was across this it was funny that it was the comet drive-in and it had like a little neon sign with a shooting like comet right across the street from their house but um that's irony it it eventually got demolished (laughs) to make way for a mobile home park and i was like man Mm. so but if you if you want to see the hodges meteorite you can still see it along with Ann Hodges radio, I believe, and some other artifacts and like photos at the Alabama Museum of Natural History in Tuscaloosa. And if you want to see the McKinney fragment of the same meteor, you can see it in the Hall of Geology, Gems, and Minerals on the second floor of the National Museum of Natural History in Washington, D.C. And um, if you've ever thought you may have heard this story before, but it didn't turn out the same, that could be because the book for fried green tomatoes included an inspiration of this story in a chapter 
um, where it said that Biddy Louise Otis had a meteorite come through her roof and hit her radio, and she had to fight the landlords for the ownership of her meteorite. It was just a little kind of fragment clip in the book that was like from the local like news stuff. And yeah. um, she didn't get hurt in that version, you know, cause, and it was also supposed to have happened in like 1929 or something, but they yeah, didn't use it in the movie. So if you didn't read the book, you, you know, you probably right. are like, what the hell are you talking always, about? Always I read did, the book. but it's been so long. <laughs> but, and it was yeah. just like a glancing, it wasn't a plot point. Yeah. It was just like right. one of those like, and a this paragraph. happened, let's move on, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's the story of the only woman or the only person the to person. ever be injured by a falling meteorite. That's just crazy. I just, I found out it was new to me. I was like, just two years ago when I found out about this, that it happened in Alabama. And then I learned more about it when we did the Wetumpka show. Yeah, and that was where we were talking, talking about, about it. it. Yep. Mm -hmm. So totally crazy. I thought more people would have been hit by a meteorite, but alas, no. Well, there was this, there was this quote in one of the National Geographic articles about it that was like, you would be more likely to be attacked by a shark and hit by lightning both than to be hit by a meteor. But then wow. the article that it originally came out with, like had said that that wasn't necessarily an accurate portrayal. It's just like, it is very unlikely that a human would get hit by a meteorite, but right. they can't say that, you know, it'd be never <laughs> yeah. right. lightning strike and shark attack kind of unlikely. It could happen. It could happen. It could totally happen. Yeah. When we it talked about totally it originally happen. with the Wetumpka stuff, I got it mixed up with the Wetumpka crater, which they Me never too. let us go in and see, but you know, right but that's a whole different thing so like when they say stars fell on alabama y'all like they, <laughs> they fucking fall like yeah 2020 20 just wait <laughs> here comes Shush. the meteorite Shush. all right good story thanks, thanks. that was good shall we yes please? let's take a break yeah, let's get a break refill refresh <laughs> Did y'all realize that Atlas Obscura did like I saw your thing and vacation I trips and shit. I did not. I didn't realize that, but what? It's pretty awesome. I posted about it in the fan group last night because I was looking for something and it had showed up in Atlas Obscura and it, there was like an experiences tab at the top and I clicked on it and it took me to all these like vacation tours that you can buy from atlas obscura that'll take you and they're they're odd like you would expect them to be um but what about a tourist yeah one of them was like like chasing bumblebees through the redwoods and, i see it. you know i mean like there there were there were several new orleans ones but one of them was like the the street art of new orleans one of them was like the like oh cool there was a music one that wasn't it it, it was a specialist thing though and you know atlas obscura is one of the things we rely on you know oh on, love them yeah oh my gosh and we probably so should be they have the giving them money shit. i know yeah they have some weird shit we could probably send. work for them mm -hmm. <laughs> call us <laughs> ding ding but you know oh, I, I look on that one that you posted for sloss they take you to specter to big fish island i saw that because i didn't realize when it said yeah so i posted one that was from sloss furnaces in birmingham and it's a night photography course that you take at sloss furnaces which is great because you know that was our first episode i think ever was we yeah. talked about sloss and it's you know it's a haunted you know place or supposedly and um so they, but they, it was like a full five day thing. And one of the things they did was take you down to Spectre, which is, you know, where Big Fish was filmed, where we all went. And, um, you know, there were different, you know, they take you to like the best barbecue in Birmingham and they put you up at the Tutwiler. And I was like, damn, like yeah. they know their wow. local shit, you know? They do. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That is, that's really cool. Need to look further into mm -hmm. like who's doing that because that's i mean yeah i always like i always catch stories like giblets of little facts from them i mean everything that i searched they always come up so oh, yeah definitely check it out all right so tonight's story uh started out as a what the fuck am i going to do at about <laughs> 11 o'clock and really again started panicking thought about calling Marley and saying, Hey, you know what? 
I just, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have it today. It's just, I mean, I was getting desperate. Mm -hmm. And so thankfully I got on some Murderpedia. Yeah. Oh. And I was checking out, I went through like my list of all the things that I've done and some of the things (laughs) I've made notes of that aren't completely, I've pretty much hit everything that I really wanted to make a story of and everything else that I still have in um, those notes, just in the notes, not in general, but just in my notes are things that are not whole stories Mm -hmm. and stuff. So I'm cruising around Murderpedia, looking at some really fucking awful people. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, God, I, I can't, I can't do this. And then lo and behold, I find Mary Jane, Bricktop Jackson and Bridget Fury. That's a great name, man. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, first of all, I know. First of all, this is one of those things and everybody can appreciate who's now living in 2020 where truth is stranger than fiction. This is one of those histories here. I'm excited. So some of, the, <laughs> some, of the, the, some of the sources that I got for this was from Judith Schaefer's book, Brothels, Depravity, and Abandoned Women, Illegal Sex in Antebellum, New Orleans. Mm. Most of the information that I, I went through, I listened to a podcast by this woman named Sophia, and she has La Femme Rebelle podcast. And she did her first episode on these ladies and she only did, she, this, her podcast started like in February of this year Mm. and she only did like two episodes. And I'm really sad about that because she stopped after her second episode. So I don't know what happened. I just noticed that because I was like, oh, this is awesome. She's doing like rebel females mm-hmm. totally Pandemic. up our alley. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's probably, but her first episode was so well done. Very informative. She did all of her research, which is why I leaned heavily on it. But she kind of put together the pieces from like the different articles I was pulling from like Murderpedia, this book and a couple of other like New Orleans ghost tours sites and also like some newspaper articles as well because again this is documented history which makes this stranger than fiction. So Mary Jane Bricktop Jackson was born in New Orleans in 1836. She started uh, sex work around the age of 13 or 14 She was described as a husky, full-bodied strumpet. This is a quote. I would never call anybody a strumpet. Strumpet. Yeah. Full-bodied strumpet whose mop of flaming red hair had earned her the name Bricktop, basically. And when she's described in the newspapers, it's always like, you know, she's this big woman and they never really talk about, and she's like all this flaming red hair. She was obviously attractive because she had you know plenty of clientele but at the age of 14 she hooked up with this bar owner in new orleans and they had like a three-year relationship while she was doing her work and after three years the barkeeper threw her out and one thing about mary jane brick top jackson is that her fiery hair was not the only thing that was fiery (laughs) so the case with redheads Yes, always the case (laughs) with redheads. So this pissed her off and she went back into the saloon of her former lover and she savagely beat the shit out of him (laughs) so bad that it ripped off his ear and half his face. Like she mauled this guy with her bare hands. And that kind of, she's 17 at this time, so you can like this is how strong and powerful and passionate this woman was so so she left him after she like you know she didn't kill him but she she left him there maimed and started to kind of go off on her own independently doing her thing she would try to you know join some brothels to do her business but she kept getting kicked out Um, because she didn't play well with others Mm. she had a very hot temper so she brought her at the brothel she got kicked out 
And finally, she ended up at the dance house in Gallatin, on Gallatin Street, which was owned at the time by Archie Murphy, who was known as the meanest guy in New Orleans at that time. And he had like his own gang of street rangers in 1855. It was very much the way that they describe it. Gallatin is, you know, a place where you know, the brothels and, you know, the, the gangs and anybody doing underworld shady business. That's kind of where you hung out at. And it pretty much lasted until maybe around the late 1800s. And then the brothels moved to Storyville because about that time they started to plan a redevelopment of the area. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because uh, Gallatin Street and the brothels in this area actually occupied the area known as the French Market. Yes. So so now you can kind of place I it in the world. So, and, and it's only two blocks, but you had all of these brothels, mm-hmm. you had all of these sex workers and gangs working. So there was a lot of territory stuff going on, which caused the gangs and the beating up. And it, it's, it was a fucking rough neighborhood, rough two blocks of New Orleans right there on the river. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Archie kicked her out from the dance house brothel, which was like the hardest core brothel in the area. So that shows you like how much she just did not work well with others. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she decided to open her own brothel up on uh, Dauphine Street. And she worked with Della Swift, also known as Bridget Fury, Ellen Collins, America Williams, and they kind of formed their own little gang. So they banded together, they found each other, you know, they worked together. And I guess worked together, okay, but they didn't kill each other. They probably beat each other up, but they didn't (laughs) kill each other. But with uh, Bricktop, the killings started with her because you know she was you know beating people up with her fist but she was known for this knife so not only would she like you know slap you down but she would stab you too and she had a knife built specifically for her that had like a german silver handle and then it had two heavy five inch blades on either side of the knife oh my God. because she was having problems when she was stabbing people not having the knife oriented in the right way all the time so she had this so this was like her main not that she really really needed it i mean she could obviously take care of herself you know with her hands but you know you mess up your hands when you start beating somebody's face in i guess holy shit that. she needed more efficient <laughs> more efficient methods she, Way she to problem was, yeah. solve, bricked up. she was problem solved yes that's right and making a name for herself. if yeah. she already had already had a name for herself like and you wanted to i mean she'd been on the street since she was 13 she was surviving so she was you know living up to her name in order to protect herself So in 1856, this redhead got into it with a man who called her boss to her face. And I came across this name boss a lot when talking about like these stories and it confused me. And I tried to look up like, well, is there another meaning for the name boss? Why would somebody be like, why would that be right? Well, I did a little research. I didn't find like the exact answer or why this would be so such a touchy subject, but I, I, I kind of did. So boss is actually the German word for boss, which uh, means master. So back during uh, the times uh, that black people were enslaved, I guess white people didn't want to say master. They didn't want to call somebody master who was in charge. And so they adapted this word boss instead, but it was more of a kind of backhanded term. Hmm. So you may call somebody boss instead of master, but it was more like, I'm going to tell you to your face and make your ego inflate, but I'm really kind of putting you down. So Hmm. to me, I, I think 
from what I gather, and again, I didn't find this like written out nice and neatly for me, like I was trying to find, it was more of just taking a jab at them, um, calling them boss. So he called her boss to her face and she clubbed him to death, basically. <laughs> Damn. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh. <laughs> oh, no. No, no. Uh, the knife that she had made for her came in handy the next year when she got into an argument with a guy named Charlie Longley, who was nearly seven feet tall. So the argument was somewhat scientific, <laughs> if you could call it this, in nature. She insisted that if she stabbed Longley, that he would fall forward. And Longley oh insisted God. that he would fall backward. And apparently this escalated to the point that Jackson stabbed him dead and he fell forward. Well, there you go. So there you go. That's Prob not an yeah. argument you ever really want to have. Like just, no. you know, a little bit of foresight, dude. A little bit of foresight, dude. And, you know, this was also the time in that area, there was like a huge rum run. Like New Orleans was known for their rum during this time. And so it was, it was like rum, f like flooded the streets, basically. So everybody was drinking, especially in this area. On November 7th, 1859, Bricktop and two other sex workers were visiting a beer garden when a man seated at the next table, his name Laurent Fleury, complained about their foul language. And so at first the women ignored him and then he told them to shut up. Mm -hmm. And Bricktop replied that he needed to mind his whole his business or she would cut his heart out. Oh my god. And obviously, not knowing who he was dealing with, he walked over to her and, and pulled out knives and jumped him. Oh my god. Uh, one of the guys there, his friend Joe, tried to come to his rescue, but backed off after he was severely sliced. A bar employee that was there pulled a gun and fired shots at the women, but then they turned around and attacked him with bricks, so he had to retreat. Jesus. So by the time the police arrived, the victim was dead on the floor with his Ooh. pockets cut out. And the pockets were later found under Bricktop's skirt, and they became evidence against her in this murder trial that she had, that she went through. So Bricktop was arrested. She went to the parish prison and was awaiting trial. However, the trial never happened, despite multiple firsthand accounts and evidence on her person, simply because... Lo local madam writes best-selling tell-all novel about all the judges politicians frequenting mm. the brothels so being a sex worker she knew everybody coming into the brothels she knew who was doing who who was sneaking out and and even though it doesn't say this in the accounts it's pretty much a given because the coroner uh, decided that the cause of death for this man who had been stabbed multiple times with heart failure. Oh, um, so well, technically she, it's all heart failure when you die. Right? Like technically, right? eventually well, your heart will fail. And heart failure, especially if it's stabbed a couple of times. Yeah. You know? So while Bricktop was waiting trial in this parish, you know, waiting for all this to happen right before she got out, she fell in love with the corrupt guard named John Miller. Okay. So again, life is stranger than fiction here. Okay. Miller, who was a corrupt cop, being a fairly violent man himself, had lost his arm in a bar fight mm. and lacking the prosthetics to attach to his arm he ended up uh, building an iron ball and a chain and attaching it to his stump. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, so he literally had an arm that it was a medieval mace. <laughs> and this is who she started dating. So it was Bricktop and... I don't even know what to call him. I feel like there's a there's got to be like a He-Man supervillain that he fits this. Super, uh, yeah, category. like some sort of 
you know, you've seen all the sci-fi movies where they remove their arm and put a gun, you know, remove the arm, put a mace and swing it around. I just typed in mace for an arm into Google. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so you can come so, up with a cool name for it. So uh, Yeah, iron ball and chain here, which in ah. itself is oh kind of funny. So they they they're dating they come up with this scheme and on the the <laughs> la femme rebelle podcast uh -huh. she called the scheme the buttock and twain um <laughs> and i couldn't find the scheme <laughs> on google but this is what she called it and she laughed about it a lot which was really funny because it is a funny name but <laughs> just call it the taint the yeah, exactly <laughs> the, the taint and run um <laughs> so what it was because that's basically what it was brick top would lure oh. a man into an alley for sex and then she would pull his pants down and while he was most vulnerable old ball and chain would come in and knock him out <laughs> and then they would grovel oh and, and that was like the thing that they did <laughs> and chain the stumpinada <laughs> so this went on for a while and you know they're still dating obviously it's working out for both of them until i just keep thinking like what's the sex life gonna be i mean like the <laughs> what do you uh... do with that like the <laughs> lord only knows the there, we could talk about that more in detail later. <laughs> Speculation. Join us on Patreon. <laughs> That's all right. We have to talk. <laughs> Talking about ball and chain. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. Okay. Go ahead. That's all right. So Miller clearly <laughs> forgot who he was dealing with. And in 1861, he jackson had did something to upset him so he decided that he was going to teach her once and for all who was the ball and chain in the family <laughs> and he brought home a bull whip with the intention of whipping her into submission oh that's a mistake wow. though sounds like mm -hmm. a bad idea does he know who he's with? a mistake so obviously instead of him beating her she took the whip from him and flogged him viciously mm -hmm. and while he was being beaten bloody he decided to attack her with his ball and chain so she grabbed his arm midair oh, no. and then ended up thrashing him with his own ball <laughs> turned his balls against him turned his balls against him <laughs> and then to make matters worse he decided well that's not working so he pulled out a knife she bit his arm that had the knife in it he dropped it and then she used his own knife to kill him jesus oh. christ yes this he is was not ready yes my gosh okay dude you know what when i struggle to find stories i never fall on gold like this like this oh my god happened to me you have to you have to hit like <laughs> rock bottom i think for like the story fairy to hit you <laughs> with hit the you ball with and chain <laughs> oh lord so obviously killing miller landed her in state prison for a 10-year sentence and she ended up serving time with her brothel pal and fellow redhead bridget fury so let's talk about bridget fury for a second so bridget fury also known as della swift was born in ohio at 12 she worked in a brothel that oh. her father was playing fiddle in oh. her dad ended up killing one of the sex workers and went to prison and so she was on her own and it's kind of fuzzy she ended up going to jail she, i think she killed somebody she was pretty stabby stabby <laughs> where brick house i mean brick house <laughs> brick top would uh, was a brick house but where brick top would you know pummel you to death and then resort to using her knife bridget was a little bit more of stabby stabby but again she basically brought up in a brothel was made a sex worker there 
and you know so totally surviving so she ended up killing probably her john she went to ohio jail which she fled and headed down to new orleans so while you know bricktop was fiery and fierce and large and intimidating bridget was more in control and calm she was like a redheaded charmer mm. so she would just like be calm and smile while she stabbed you to death <laughs> So she was also known as the Fury because of her hair and she stabbed countless men. And this actually, I got this from Facebook and this was a post about the story on Facebook about Bridget Fury. And they said, also known as the Fury because of her fiery red hair, Bridget would stab countless men that would pay her for prostitution after they would have sex. She would stab men because of her inebriated state and anger over her STDs. I think oh. that's kind of a, uh, a reach there. Yeah. After being convicted of one murder, Bridget served one year in jail and then was released. She continued to boss and stab more men. And there's that word again. So I think boss sometimes is interchanged with madam. Mm. So anyway, this was posted on Facebook as part of the story. And then there was a comment right after the words. And there was like, she was 12 years old when she was forced to boss her self in her native Ohio any man who has sex with a 12 year old deserves to be stabbed mm -hmm. and I was like yep absolutely mm -hmm. all right so Bridget was fond of Rome and New Orleans was in the Rome heyday so when she moved down to New Orleans she started to run this scam and it almost reminded me of that beat scam that the Susan the uh, Alamos did the Alamos oh, did yeah. what she did so what she would do is she would drink tea and the man thinking it was liquor and, and she would drink a lot of it and she would get the man drunk and then she would go up and have sex and then just stab him a little bit <laughs> and then took his money. So she was not like killy killy stab. She was more like stab him just to scare him enough so that he wouldn't come after her and that, you know, oh God. he'd be more scabbed to be stabbed again. So I just stabbed him a little bit. Just a little just bit. A little. And this was happening so it happened so much. Like both of these women were arrested mm -hmm. so many times for violence. It's it's heartbreaking, really. But on both accounts, like you know, being the stabby and the stabber kind of person. I mean, they were hardcore. So there's an article about Bridget that talks about this possible murder well actually it was a murder that happened on lake pontchartrain or near lake pontchartrain so bridget and a bunch of her girlfriends got into an argument with a group of men and one of the men took out a fucking bull whip and began to guys? beat one of her friends with it and so while he was whipping on her friend he accidentally got stabbed in the back and in the head and in the hip and then in all the places by Bridget Fury. <laughs> so Bridget got arrested. When she was arrested, they found out that she was a fugitive from Ohio. And they were like, hey, we got your gal, stabby, stabby. Do you, you know, here she is. Do you want her, Ohio? And Ohio was like, nah, we good. <laughs> you can keep her. And New Orleans was like, but Ohio, really, you can have her. And Ohio was like, that's a firm no. <laughs> so Ohio did not want her back. New Orleans kept her. And then she was released during this time for whatever technicalities. I don't know, for whatever reason. That same year, she took up with a fellow named Thomas Dowlin and ended up stabbing him with a sword cane. Wow. Lord. And that was from self-defense, though, because Thomas was choking her. But, of course she was had been arrested so much that it was pretty much ignore and thomas not wanting her to get stabby stabby with him again skipped town so all the charges were dropped three months later bridget again is on the other side of the charges james hornsby struck and threatened to kill her he was arrested of course dismissed the case a week later because she dropped the charges so there's like a lot of i don't want to say domestic violence but 
I guess, uh, sex worker John Valance, Mm -hmm. you know, sex worker customer Valance going on. She obviously was a spunky redhead, stabby, stabby. She, She even fought more so with, well, everybody, like all the women in uh, the trade were scared of Bricktop. Bridget liked to fight with the other sex workers. So, you know, again, this is just survival, mean street, fiery redheads, both looking out for each, I mean, for themselves the best they can. In 1858, and remember, Bricktop is going through all of her stuff during this time. A drunk man named Pat Crone made a kind of a passing remark about the women. I think he called, he must have called them boss or something. I don't know. But he was like making really lewd, horrible comments about them. And they tried to ignore him. And, you know, y'all been in this experience where, I mean, you've had a drunk person that you do not know that all of a sudden fixates on you Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And they start saying horrible things to you and you try to ignore them and you walk away and they just keep following you and they keep saying shit and they just will not go away. So this is kind of like how this guy was and he started following them talking about bashing their skulls in and doing all of these horrible things to them and so bridget just turns around and stabs him in the stomach so of course she claims self-defense and goes to jail and during this time that she's in jail she's actually in jail the same time brick top is so they serve time together but it was kind of short-lived because this is the beginning of the civil war And during the Civil War, the military governor of the state, General uh, George F. Shepley, practically emptied like all of the prisons with a blanket pardon. So he pardoned everybody and emptied uh, the prisons. uh, Bricktop, who was only 25 years old at this time that she got out of jail from the murder, John, she basically disappeared appeared so she had enough with new orleans nobody knows what happened to her nothing like there's no account of anything about a redhead brick top so she left town and that's the last that we know about her Hmm. bridget fury stays in new orleans she starts drinking a lot she still does sex work and her kind of legacy i guess she comes down a bit kind of fades out and so there's really no conclusive like they went off and you know started a knife empire or you know (laughs) self-defense for sex workers or anything (laughs) like that that you really want the story to wrap up in because it's so just crazy but that is the story of mary jane bricktop jackson and bridget fury damn Good job, Patrice. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Oh my God. One thing to mention. On the guy, man. <laughs> just, just, you know, I'm like, this shit is crazy. And then I think about 2020 and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I can see it. Oh my gosh. One, one horrible thing talking about how young these, you know, and we've talked about how, how young, like, oh, their daughters into sex work and, just how young they were. One of the things down the, the La Femme Rebelle podcast episode that talked about uh, Bricktop and Fury, she said that in New, New Orleans, the age of consent was 12. Oy. And so that if you were 12, you could not g- get arrested for um, raping a child. If it was earlier than that, then there was, you know, then you could be arrested. But that was, that was the age at the time. And it's just, it's just heartbreaking. It's horrible. Yeah, that's fucked up. It's like, oh, as soon as they start to show boobs, then they're fair game. Ugh. But anyway. Damn. Stabby, stabby. (laughs) Stabby, stabby. Ball and chain. (laughs) That's the name of this episode. Stabby, stabby. Ball and chain. Well, thanks, well, thank y'all. y'all so much. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you as always. 
And if you are new to the Strange South, check out our 66 episodes before this. Woohoo! <laughs> and um, go to our website, which we keep up weekly, and look for all our fantastic drinks by Bartender Courtney yeah. and all of our pictures and source material where we steal the shit. <laughs> and um, yeah, we appreciate you. Thank so you. Thanks for listening. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye.